Live from the Old Church Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's special Valentine's Day show, Kiss and Tell. May the narrative be with you. I believe that every young couple that plans on getting married uh, should go on a road trip before they get married. And preferably a road trip in an old broken down van with like no money. Because it'll be the thing that prepares you for marriage. Uh, When I first met my husband, Bruce, it was love at first sight. I walked into this darkened room and there was a video screen and his image was on that screen and I walked up and I put my hand on the screen and I said, I have known this man for 2,000 years. That's a profound statement. And I had this strong lightning bolt moment that just really struck me. I didn't even meet him for another six months. And the first time I met him, I was so embarrassed I couldn't even speak. And the next time I met him, well, he was helping me to buy my first mountain bike. The third time I met him, we actually had a conversation. And it was when he was interviewing me to be a bike messenger at his messenger company. So he hired me even though I told him that I'm legally blind and that I don't see well at all. And he's like, it's fine. seen you ride. You can ride. You got it. I'll help you out. And I was like, okay. So um, I got hired as a messenger and I'm riding around Pittsburgh. And at first I'm just doing deliveries in downtown. And this is late 80s. So this is before fax machines and before cell phones. So we have walkie talkies and he's giving me directions all the time. He's like this little voice in my ear. And I'm doing these little downtown deliveries and one day he sets up a whole delivery run and he sends me out to Oakland, which is um, where the University of Pittsburgh is. And it's, you know, probably, you know, a good seven or eight miles of a ride. And Portland and Pittsburgh are very different. Pittsburgh's streets are not grid patterned. They're a bunch of drunken cow paths. And they're very narrow and there are no bike lanes and certainly not back then. And I'm just riding with traffic doing 50 or whatever they're doing. And I'm like, you know, riding along. But the whole time he's with me. He's giving me these great directions, you know, Okay, go up two more blocks and then make a left and then go around and drop this one and go up the hill and you'll, you know. And and I felt so elated when I came off that run, so successful. So we got together not too long after I started working as a messenger for him. And really quickly in that relationship, we, we were together all the time. And one morning, it was a Saturday morning, he had to deliver the company van to the north side. And we decided to walk back. And it was a five-mile walk. And in that five-mile walk, we talked about all of our dreams, dreams of traveling, and dreams of getting out of Pennsylvania. Um, So part of the talk was we were getting excited, and we kept thinking, well, okay, this could work out if, you know, if, if we planned right. And these are some of the things that would be deal breakers. And for him, a deal breaker was trust, fidelity, loyalty. And I didn't really have any past bad relationships. And, I, and that's, that makes sense to me. Trust is important to me. But I didn't have any deal breakers. 
And I remember walking with him, and it was fall, and I was just so worshipful of him. I was just so, like, he could do no wrong. We got back from the walk, and uh, he starts running a bathtub, and he calls me in, and he asks me to sit on the side of the tub, and he starts to wash my feet. And I'm so embarrassed. I am so embarrassed because even though I've slept with this man, I've had sex with this man, this is by far the most intimate and loving and worshipful thing that anyone could do for me. So we start the plan. We're going on this road trip. We start talking to the family, and I spend some time with my grandmother. She's 89. She's just such a sweet person. And he's supposed to come and visit with us. And he's supposed to have lunch, and he doesn't show. And, you know, there's no cell phones. I don't know where he's at. And then he calls about 4 o'clock, and he's like, yeah, sorry, I got held up. And, you know, this is, and I'm upset. My grandmother's upset. But I'll, he says, I'll be there for dinner. And then he doesn't show. And my grandmother starts to get quietly angry. And she says to me, Beth Ann, I do not think you should go with this man. I don't trust him. And of course he apologized, and he realized later, you know, how it affected me. When my dad, who really wanted us, he really wanted me to travel and get to the West Coast, but he didn't really like the way we were doing it with out any money, and he knows that I don't drive, and he was concerned because he thought, you know, I might get stuck. I might be alone out there. So he made Bruce promise, and Bruce definitely promised that he would send me back if there was anything that happened, any bad situation. And we got everything together and hit the road. And we left in February in a van with no heat. And we thought we'd save money by, you know, just sleeping in the van until we got to Utah where we were going to go snowboarding. And uh, we slept out one night, and I remember waking up in the morning and kissing Bruce on the back of the neck, and he kind of yelped and squealed. And it was because I, when I kissed him, there was ice crystals all around my lips. <laughs> I think we realized that we were being pretty foolish and that we sort of needed to speed it up and get where we were going and be a little more careful. Uh, we spent the whole month of March doing a lot of snowboarding in Utah, where I realized that I suck at snowboarding. <laughs> and it was kind of lonely, because he was out snowboarding with his friends, and I was kind of hanging out in cafes and pubs and bookstores. And... So by the time we went to southern Utah to do some mountain biking, I was a little bit pissed. I wasn't getting what I wanted out of this trip. We were in our van camping on the side of the Colorado River, and I was trying to make pancakes for breakfast. And Bruce is giving me directions, except that he's like, okay, the heat's too high, now it's too low. Okay, now you need to flip the pancakes. And I'm like, motherfucker! <laughs> and I threw the fucking frying pan at him, God damn it! Because I'm a little bit hot-headed. <laughs> and I stormed up to the front of the van where I could sulk. And I felt so trapped. We were 30 miles from the nearest store. We were like 200 miles from an airport. We were nowhere. And I couldn't get out. I couldn't leave. And if I could have, I would have left. I was so mad. Um, but I didn't leave. And I sat there and I brooded and I thought, well, you know what? 
I might just make it to California and I'll just dump him when I get there. And that's how I made it okay to get through the rest of this trip. So we, we keep camping and we're gonna do this mountain bike ride. It's called the Slick Rock Trail. The Slick Rock Trail is in Moab, Utah. Um, it's like about a 12 mile loop, but it's very extreme, technical, difficult riding. And you have to have these sort of fat, slick tires. And the, the rock is a, um, it's Navajo sandstone. So they're basically petrified sand dunes. And it's beautiful, it's springtime. And I'm quickly realizing that the technicality is, is that I can only see from here to there. And by the time I'm not looking ahead, so I don't know what to do next. So Bruce starts to call out directions over his shoulder to me. And I'm riding and I'm following his tail and he's like, okay, we have a little sand, we're coming down a hill, but then we're gonna have to hit this little sand pit and you're gonna need to get in your lower gear and just ride really fast through it and then you'll get to the other side. And it's working out great and I have all this power. And it feels very uh, exhilarating when you spend your whole life not seeing and somebody helps you to do something this momentous, this big. So as we're doing this ride and I'm following him, there's these little white dots that mark the trail on the sandstone. And all of a sudden the white dots turn yellow. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I think that means something. <laughs> but I don't remember what it means and I'm just following. And he's like, okay, something's coming up and I want you to listen really closely. Because you can't get off your bike, you cannot walk through this, He's like, I need you to just follow me and listen to my directions. He's like, we're gonna stay to the left, get in the middle gear, stay on my tail, keep following me, and whatever you do, don't look down. <laughs> and there's this part of me that wants to look down. I mean, it's right there. And I keep thinking, and as soon as I can see it, and he's veering off to the left, and I'm following him, and I, there's this part, of me that he wants to look, but I don't, and I'm staying on him. But like I can feel the gravitational pull. I can just feel this like abyss. Well, we got around the corner and we parked the bikes and we walked back to the cliff that we had just rode off around. And you know, we we're looking at this beautiful vista, this beautiful view. I can see across the Colorado River. I can see in the distance is Arches National Park. And there's the blue sky and the purple and the orange of the rocks and it's green because it's springtime and it's so beautiful. And I can see this 600 foot cliff. And I think to myself, if I was doing this by myself, A, I would never have gotten here. B, I would have ridden right off that cliff. At some point that day, I started making another list in my mind. I started making a deal maker list. Because I realized that this man who makes me laugh, who is great in bed, and he keeps me safe, and more than anything, he believes in me. Thank you. <laughs>